0: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Monday, June 6th, 2022. It's about 2 o'clock in the afternoon on the east coast of the United States. Um, My guest today is a uh, Judging Freedom regular, Jack Devine. Jack spent his entire career uh, in the Central Intelligence Agency and knows a great deal uh, about Russian influence in the United States and what our intelligence community knows about what the Russians are up to. And he's written books about it. His great book is called The Spymaster's Prism. Once you start the book, you can't put it down. Jack, it's always a pleasure. Thanks, and welcome back to Judging Freedom.
0: Well, no, thanks to,
1: for having me back on, Judge. I always enjoy it. Thank you. So, uh, you and I have spoken several times during the course of the uh, uh, Russian uh, invasion of Ukraine, and each time uh, you are of the view that the Russians will win. And of course, you, you can't always tell how it's going at the time we talk. But what's your view today, about 102, 103 days into the war?
0: Well, I actually, I didn't think they were going to uh, win in the sense of occupying. And um, I, what I wasn't sure of is on the eve of when they invaded and uh, just how vigorously the Ukrainians would fight. But I called a very good friend of mine who's well-wired there. And he said, Jack, we're going to fight. So I actually believe they're going to fight. That they would be as successful as they have been is a real surprise. And that the Russians have been so feckless in the and on the ground, in terms of having an army and logistics, I mean that the first 70 days was pretty abysmal, and I think it was a shock to the world, including those that watch it closely in the intelligence world. So I, I've actually been thinking for a long time that you end up with a stalemate, and you know, maybe not a ceasefire, but the Russians will—they haven't done it yet. There, there's a point where, you know, they moved every t- everything out of Kiev and now they're down in the eastern corner. They're going to push as hard as they can, and the Ukrainians are going to push back as hard as they can. And I think once they get to that point, they can't go any further, and the Russia- and the Ukrainians can't push it back anymore. Then I think you end up with a stalemate. I don't think at this point it'll be a negotiated settlement, because I don't think either party can negotiate but you can tone down without a treaty. In other words, you just stop firing as many rounds and you, you get off the air a little bit. So I, yeah, I don't think what we're is, too far. I, the only thing I would say to finish out off, Jen, I don't think we're too far out. I, I think before Thanksgiving, if not before Labor Day, I think they're going to be near stalemate. You can see certain things falling into place. There's a limit to how far the Russians can go and how far the Ukrainians can.
1: What does President Putin need in order credibly, credibly to claim victory. By credibly, I mean so that enough people in his own government believe him that he'll still be the president of Russia a year from now.
0: I don't think he can. Uh, in order to do that, I think the Kiev government Kiev government, would have to fall, and he would have to take the capital and most of the country. And I, there's no indication whatsoever that he has that capability. So I think he'll declare a victory that he has the Eastern corner the, the two provinces, provinces there. And, but that's as far as it goes. And frankly, he had unofficially sort of claimed that earlier. So I I don't see it's within grasp anymore. And I, I think your point about a year, I wrote this op-ed that we talked about on March 2nd saying his days were number. I didn't mean literally next five days, but, his days and he's over. I mean, he cannot come back as a powerhouse in his country, around the world, and it's just a question of time. It'll be his own people that bring him down. So a year, a year is not a bad bet. I, I wouldn't take
1: that. I mean, that's 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 not unrealistic for where. Is I, is he is he forever going to be an outcast in the European community, or will he, he at, at back, some point come back into their good graces? How can he come back after the atrocities?
0: In other words, if it was if there was a war in which it was fought traditionally and it was evenly balanced, you know, you could say, well he could he could we could work it was way back after the atrocities and the vicious bombing and you can't work about it. who's gonna have their picture taken of it. I mean okay. really I mean it's it's Is- he's in his own country I think he's gonna have a hard time. Developing the stature before he went in, it was this high point. That's that was my thesis, and it remains my thesis.
1: Is it a normal in a, in a, a limited war like this? By limited, I mean limited to one country versus another. This isn't World War uh, Two. For one side to lose eleven generals, is, is that a coincidence, or are the Ukraines, perhaps with assistance from the West, targeting? the Russian senior military leadership? Well, 11 is a
0: significant number. and There's no question about it. But they have a different structure. Their structure doesn't give the captain, the major, and the lieutenant colonel a lot of of authority. So if you don't pass down the authority, then their general has to get closer to where the action is. And I think that distinguishes their model from uh, our model. The second thing is, and I don't, I'm don't, i not professing, I have inside information, but clearly the Ukrainians have been training. Uh, and actually in the book, I go into this, I said, you know, and that was 18, 2018, that they are not, they're not the army of 2014. They've learned some lessons, but, you know, they may not have received all the sophisticated weapons that, and, and the amount, but they were uh, clearly have been trained to fight this kind of war, where I think the Russians were still fighting, you know, going through the bulge type of war strategy. So I think that a lot of their techniques, I don't think the Russians were ready for it, frankly. There's no indication that they, they had any idea of what they were going some point, we should talk about the Stinger just because of its... And uh, I want to make a point about...
1: Well, I, I do want to talk how, about... what the- modern weapons change the battlefield. Okay. I do want to talk about those weapons in this context. Uh, Putin has warned the West... Uh, that he may do something if we, he's obviously saying this for consumption in the United States, continue to arm the Ukrainians. What is this threat and what could he possibly do?
0: Well, what he could do is talk loud. And he will get, rece- he will get reception from uh, people in the West and the East that are are prone and fearful. Let me, let me put it this way. I, I told you last time, I think I made a mistake because I sort of, went along with the idea that, well, maybe we shouldn't put those NIGs in. And when there was disgust in Poland, I thought, wait a minute, <laughs> why not? What's he gonna do? Oh, he's gonna invade Ukraine? He's gonna invade Poland, but after what he just showed? I mean, I think it's a lot of a lot of bluster. Now he'll fire off rockets and do damage and blow up buildings, but he doesn't he has no pushback. He can't he can't make progress in Ukraine. How's he gonna make it in Germany and Poland? And I mean so you know, what is he going to do? I mean, I I think we got to get we have to be careful because he threw out the word nuclear nuclear weapons, right? Everybody is panicked. Really, <laughs> like you're going to fire one off? What do you think is going to be left of the Kremlin? I mean, anyway, it would be the end of my civilization as we know it. But so I think we have to take these threats. And he's a he is a good propagandist. I'll give him that. And disinformation. The Russians have been working at it much more effectively. We really don't engage very much. Americans are, they don't like this information. And Jack, what have yeah.
1: we gained by uh, 56 billion dollars uh, in cash and in military equipment sent over well, to Ukraine?
0: Well, I think I would reverse the the issue in the sense of what would have happened if we hadn't provided either the training or weapons.
1: The war would have been over in a month. Right.
0: And we would be looking at the thing that people really need to study is just how important Ukraine is in the history of Russia. Every Russian leader has lusted after Ukraine because the, the, it's the breadbasket of, of, uh, of, of many ways of Europe, but it's also you an know, industrial power. It, was, uh, it had nuclear weapons not too long ago. But a point that I, I would make. Is Russia again? Its GDP is like Spain or France, with the Ukraine. And if Ukraine were fully developed, you know, you would have a much stronger. Be, it would. The Germans would have a hard time with it. In other words, in terms of, that would be a, a much more formidable threat in Europe. And the big thing that has emerged from this, Judge, is I don't think Putin, as bad as I, as bad as I viewed him as a danger. He's worse than I thought. <laughs> I mean, he, I'm sure he didn't like Spymaster's Master's prison, because they're pretty tough on him. But he has shown himself to be ruthless, and, you know, an imperialist in real old-fashioned style. So I wouldn't want to be sitting in hun- Hungary, Estonia, Poland. Uh, in fact, I think he'd be aggressive in Latin America and maybe even on
1: our own in our own backyard. What What is the American intelligence community? Uh, telling the president and the people around him uh, about Putin today, his mental stability, his physical health, his stability in office?
0: I don't know what exactly they're saying, um, but um, I, I would be surprised if... They and they are not far apart in our assessment of, A, the danger he represented, danger he still represents, and his mindset. And I think probably they and me have probably sharpened our concerns about his ability or willingness to take life in large numbers and seem not to care too much about that. So I I think on that score, about him and his stability, my guess is they're going to to come out the same way, which is he's over. When when it all turns to crumbles, uh, who knows? But he he is shrunk. He is is shrunken as a threat to the world. I mean, in in the sense of, you know, his bluster. I mean, who's going to be afraid of him after you see how how his army acted in a neighboring country and he still couldn't get it done, let alone – Trying to transport it somewhere else. I mean, amazing. So, do, do my we, assessment
1: isn't too far apart. I hope it isn't. Do we have boots on the ground in uh, Ukraine? Well, I will say this we do not have any uniformed
0: American troops on the ground. That would be my guess. But that you have really smart advisors that are Americans, I'll bet you do.
1: So how? I would, hope,
0: I would hope that we would there be a way for the lens support. Uh, look, I'm a big advocate. Book one, book two. I talk about covert action, and that is those types of things you do without putting boots on the ground and armies. And that's what I did in Afghanistan with many of my colleagues. Who well, I mean, I don't mean me, but a gener- generation of people from the agency. But. No, you, you, you're better fighting wars covertly, right? Where you have the local people want to fight, they have an adversary, you support it to the maximum, and you don't put troops on the ground. So I'm not a big fan of what we did in in Iraq, and I didn't like the way it turned out in uh, Afghanistan because I think we went in too early with real army. So if there's folks on the ground, it's sort of my vision of how, how you do things without getting toe-to-toe. In the shooting a kinetic war against the russians and, and are
1: you you sorry. and i have uh, you and i have talked about this somebody on the president's team either intentionally or let it slip that special forces american special forces were sent to kiev to protect the embassy now that's a joke special forces don't guard buildings special forces are offensive uh, in nature so, if they're there, are we not risking the slow, gradual Vietnamization of this war?
0: I could be wrong. I don't think there's a single American enlisted man or, or officer that's firing any weapons at the Russians, okay? Um, that you would, t- you better have tightened up your military presence. I mean, if you have a, you know, I don't know how many guards, you, uh, Marine guards you had there, but who've always served their country bravely. But once he invaded and you still had people there, you better fortify because your embassy can be overrun, as we saw in Vietnam and other places. So that we would send in and, you know, people talk loosely about he's a member of CIA when they actually mean he's in DEA or DIA. When they say special right. forces, was he, were they really special forces? I, I, I don't know, but what they've, really should have done is tighten up the embassy and I bet they burn a lot of documents and prepare for the worst. Remember, the U.S. government, was, at least as I read it, was offering Kalinsky a, a free plane ride out of out of Ukraine. But fortunately, he saw the situation quite differently and stayed. Thank God for all of us. But there was pessimism about the ability to hold Kiev.
1: Uh I'd like to know what Joe Biden's real thoughts are. I don't know that you can tell me this, because that $56 billion is going to be gone pretty soon. You mentioned stingers. Uh, have we sent them weapons that are powerful enough that they can reach into Russia, and does that terrify Vladimir Putin? And if it does, what's he going to do about it?
0: The reason I mention stingers, Judge, is you know we were run- running a war for... Um, about eight years before the Stingers went in, right? And if you go back and read the press in 1985, it was the, Russian, uh, the Russians were winning, the Mujahideen was running steam. If you talk to the political elite in in Washington, they would have told you the same thing immediately. What happened is the Reagan administration decided they were gonna make one big push. Uh, I happened to be chief of the task force at the time for fortuitously. But what happened, that one weapon system went in and the first three helicopters, I remember, Going to see Judge, not Judge uh, uh, Director Casey and showing him the photos of the shootdowns. And their strategy came. They started flying way above the range, and then they were ineffective on the battlefield. And that's when the Russians started to plan the leave. Now, that was the first time stingers were introduced. When they were what happened in this war, you don't hear as much about air power as you did and gone why why because the stinger you know takes out helicopters and so they were there we put the stingers in and we put the javelin which is anti-tank and when I was in in uh, the afghan program it was we were looking for the milan missile to take out tanks so those things were terribly terribly important and that's why i think i don't think the ukrainians would have been able to fight on without those two weapon systems your question is okay now we're 100 days into it and artillery is now the key, and the range of it. So the Russians can sit there and fire artillery, and the, the Ukrainians can't fire back because they don't have the range. Everything that's said publicly by uh, and by the president and the the administration is the, those weapons are on their way to them. And you know, I wouldn't blame I don't blame gluten for jumping up and down. So don't you dare do that. But I am uh, glad that the the administration sees it for what it is, and that is, yeah, what are you going to do about it? Why don't you back off? Why don't you pull out? Why don't you stop, you know, slaughtering these people? Why don't you back off, and then you wouldn't have to worry about whether we put them in or not. All
1: right. Uh, We'll have you back soon, Jack. You said maybe Labor Day, maybe Thanksgiving, but over by Christmas?
0: The stalemate between both the the Russians, that that would be my bet. By Christmas... You know, everyone's gonna be exhausted. I mean, the the support among the allies is you know, it's it's gonna be tenuous. Here in the United States, if we run into the some of the economic headwinds, it's it's gonna be ten tenuous. But remember, Putin is looking in the mirror and he's he's not gonna get any stronger, his economy's not gonna get any better. Fewer deaths on this battlefield are not gonna happen. He's not gonna really regain much territory. So I, I think at a certain point. You're in a stalemate. And is there a brilliant statesman who could come in and cut a deal? Maybe I haven't seen him, but that's possible. I'm more inclined to think it just, you know, sort of dries up little by little. And then he, once the fighting's over, then everyone in Russia looks at him, and including his own leadership. And there's a lot of division in Moscow, quiet as it may be, about what a mistake this was.
1: Well, once the fighting's over, they're going to have to contend with guerrilla warfare, uh, the likes of which they've never seen.
0: Well, that's the point. How far down can you turn it? I mean, that's going to be a really good question. And you don't have the guerrilla warfare unless you think you're going to gain something, right? I, I wouldn't be, put. in other words, if Russia dials down, you have to be careful about forcing them to dial up. So is, will there be guerrilla warfare? I think all along they've had very good tactics. So I hope the Ukrainians, at some point we recognize, it's like a judge, you know this, in settling a case there's a line and you know when both parties will agree, right? You know it. And if someone misses it, it gets really messy for a long time. So I think we're looking for that type of settlement where, yeah. It's not going to get better, it's only going to cost us more, but he's slow, Putin's slow at it, and the Ukrainians have every reason to be angry
1: and wanting to preserve their integrity of their territory. Jack Devine, always a pleasure, you're always welcome here, thanks very much my friend.
0: Thank you, always
1: a pleasure. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.